Hi, and thank you for listening to Ask the Pastor, a segment of the West Hills podcast where you have the opportunity to ask and receive biblical answers on your questions from our lead pastor, Will Duvall. I'm your host, Allie Keaton, and I can't wait to dive into our question this week. This week's question comes to us from Jason, and he says, Hi, Pastor Will. I'm curious. Is Adam in heaven? As far as that goes, who from the Old Testament times went to heaven? That's a very good question, Jason. Thank you for submitting it. So let me uh, start by acknowledging that this is a question that faithful Christians are divided over, like many, uh, but that's okay. It's not an essential core gospel-level issue, clearly. Um, And so as long as we're all trying to... Uh, Be faithful to Scripture. I think that we've got to recognize that there are lots of issues like this where the Bible just leaves things less than perfectly clear. And for that reason, we should approach them with a healthy dose of humility. We ought uh, not be any more adamant about our answers than Scripture is clear in its answer. And this is one of those issues. So that said, I will give you my view on it. Um, And I'll also give credit where credit is due uh, rather than go through and and independently spend all the time pulling the scripture references myself. I'm going to be relying heavily on an article written by uh, Joe Rigney, a theology professor at Bethlehem Seminary, um, our sort of flagship Converge uh, Baptist General Conference seminary uh, up in Minnesota uh, that he wrote for DesiringGod.org a few years back. And I'll link that article in the show notes. It's a very helpful summary, but I'll do my best here to summarize his summary and add my own commentary. So um, in the Old Testament, when a person died, their earthly body like ours turned back to dirt. We've all heard ashes to ashes, dust to dust, sort of a paraphrase of Genesis 3.19. But their soul then went to a place called Sheol. And so we see this idea, concept of, of Sheol all over the Old Testament. But let's start in Psalm 16.10 where David writes, you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. Now, in Peter's, uh, the Apostle Peter's famous sermon at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, he exposits David's words there in this way. He says, brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, uh, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all his witnesses. And so Peter clarifies for us that David was actually acting there in Psalm 16 as a prophet to refer to Jesus, and that David himself, like virtually everyone in the Old Testament, except for Enoch and Elijah, some outliers who never died, but everyone else followed the typical pattern of their body decaying and then their soul going to Sheol. And so, what is Sheol? Here's uh, Rigney again. He says, In the Old Testament, Sheol is the place of souls of the dead, both the righteous, like Jacob, who says in Genesis 37-35, Jacob refused to be comforted. This is when he thought Joseph, his son, had died. And Jacob said, No, I shall go down to Sheol, to my son, mourning. Um, and we heard this, hear this similar of Samuel in 1 Samuel 28, 13 to 14. But also, Sheol is a place of the souls of the wicked. So we hear in Psalm 31, 17, David says, O Lord, let the wicked be put to shame. Let them go silently to Sheol. And in the New Testament, the Hebrew word Sheol is translated as Hades. 
It's um, a place that we hear, uh, again, Old Testament, is under the earth. You think of number 16, 30 to 33, the story of Korah's rebellion, uh, where the ground opens up and swallows these false priests down to the middle of the earth. Um, it's a place where uh, it, it's like a city with that has gates and bars locking it up. We hear about that in Isaiah 38.10, Job 17.16. It's a land of darkness, a place uh, uh, where sh- shadowy souls of men dwell, um, Isaiah 14.9 and 26.14. It's the land of forgetfulness. Um, we hear in the Psalms of my soul being forgotten to Sheol, Psalm 88.12, where no work is done and no wisdom exists, Ecclesiastes 9.10. Most significantly, Sheol is a place where no one praises God. So here in Psalm 6.5, for in death there is no remembrance of you, Lord. In Sheol, who will give you praise? And again, in, in Isaiah 38.18, for Sheol uh, does not thank you. Um, uh, death does not praise you. Those who go down to the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. Um, and so it's clearly not a place that is portrayed in a favorable light uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and yet in the New Testament, the most extended depiction of the afterlife is found in Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31, where Jesus tells the story of the rich man Lazarus. So here's that story. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, who was feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate laid a poor man named Lazarus, Lazarus covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in his, in like manner, bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us uh, and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And so we learn there that like uh, the Hades of Greek mythology, the biblical Sheol has two compartments, Hades proper, where the rich man is sent, Uh, Luke 16, verse 23, and Abraham's bosom, where the angels carry Lazarus, in verse 22. Uh, Hades proper is a, a place of torment where fire causes anguish to the souls in prison there. Abraham's bosom, by contrast, while within shouting distance of Hades, is separated from it by a great chasm, we hear in verse 26, and is a place of comfort and rest. So I'm, I'm still quoting Rigney here. Um, Rigney says, while much mystery remains, the picture begins to take shape. All dead souls go down to Sheol and Hades, but Sheol is divided into two distinct sides, one for the righteous and one for the wicked. The righteous who died prior to Christ dwelt in Sheol with Abraham, and though they were cut off from the land of the living and therefore from the worship of Yahweh on earth, they were not tormented as the wicked were. So now Pastor Wilback. Uh, that takes us up to the time of the New Testament and to Jesus. And as we should expect, Jesus changes everything, not only for those who died after him, but for those who died and went before him as well. So think about it. The Old Testament doctrine of Sheol, I think, fits really well with our New Testament conceptions of salvation. Because Jesus, of course, says in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So 
if these righteous saints of the Old Testament could have been good enough to get into heaven, like actual heaven, not just the bosom of Abraham, not just the high rent district of Sheol, but actually get into God's presence without Christ's atoning sacrifice for their sins, without Christ's triumphant resurrection, conquering the power of death, that would seem to have some pretty massive theological consequences for our understanding of salvation and and the afterlife. I I don't think that's something I'm comfortable accepting. And so there's um, and, and there's another kind of strange, obscure, but, but important passage from the New Testament that I think might help us piece some of this together as well. And that's 1 Peter 3, verses 18 to 20, where Peter says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. So just a few things I want to point out about that passage. Number one, Christ suffered for sins, quote, that he might bring us to God. Again, the implication being that we cannot be brought to God, be reconciled to God without Christ. All right, so those those souls from the Old Testament not in heaven without Christ. Number two, while he was dead in the flesh, i.e. Jesus' body was in the tomb, but alive in the spirit, Peter says, uh, Jesus' spirit, his, his soul, just like ours, are eternal. They don't die. They just pass from this earthly state, physical state, to another state, uh, a disembodied soul. And while his Jesus' body was in the tomb, we hear in verse 19, his, his spirit went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey. All right, so spirits in prison, to me, sounds a lot like Sheol. Uh, like those who had passed away in Old Testament times. And, and we hear they did not obey. What is our ultimate obedience to God the Father? Well, Jesus answers that question for us in John six twenty nine, when, when people came and asked to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? They're thinking Old Testament. They're thinking, how can I be righteous like Moses, like David? Uh, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Jesus clarifies that that is true obedience. These Old Testament saints, Abraham and Moses and, and, and Jacob and David, they strove with all their hearts to obey and please the Lord. And yet Jesus makes it absolutely clear in the Gospels that he is the only way into heaven, not through our works, not through our deeds, our obedience. No, it, our obedience is simply to believe in him. Faith is the ultimate act of, of obedience. And, um, and so the last point I want to make here about the First Peter passage, number three, is that Peter specifically alludes here to the days of Noah. And so I think he's intentionally trying to draw our minds back to the Old Testament. And so with all that said, there are sort of two common views of what happened to Jesus for those three days while his body was in the tomb. One is that he went to hell to continue to suffer the full wrath of God for us. A lot of us grew up hearing that. That's unbiblical. Um, we, we don't hear about that anywhere in Scripture. Jesus said it is finished on the cross. His suffering ended there, I believe. Um, the other view is that Jesus went straight to heaven uh, based on, and that, that interpretation would be based on the verse specifically where Jesus tells the thief on the cross beside him that today you'll be with me in paradise. That's Luke twenty three forty three. But as Rigney notes, that, that verse, Luke twenty three forty three doesn't say that Jesus would be in the presence of God. It says he would be in the presence of the thief. Today you will be with me in paradise. And based on the Old Testament and Luke 16, 
the bosom of Abraham, it seems likely that the now repentant thief would be at Abraham's side, a place of comfort and rest for the righteous dead, which Jesus is calling paradise here. So following uh, his death for sin, then Jesus journeys to Hades, to the city of death, rips open, uh, rips the gates off the hinges. He liberates Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, John the Baptist, the rest of the Old Testament faithful, ransoming them from the power of Sheol, uh, as he promised in Psalm nineteen, uh, Psalm forty nine fifteen. Uh, we hear, "But God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for He will receive me." These are Old Testament pro- promises that now Jesus is making good on, liberating souls from Sheol. They had waited there for so long, not having received what was promised. Uh, that, that their spirits would be made perfect along with the saints of the new covenant. Uh, read Hebrews 11, verses 39 and 40. So after his resurrection, Jesus ascends to heaven and brings the ransomed dead with him so that now paradise is no longer down near the place of torment in Sheol, Hades, but it is up in the third heaven, the highest heaven where God dwells. That's 2 Corinthians 12, 2 through 4. And now in the church age, when the righteous die, they aren't merely carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. They depart to be with Christ. The wicked, however, remain in Hades in torment until the final judgment when Hades gives up the dead who dwell there and they are judged according to their deeds. And then death and Hades are thrown into hell into the lake of fire. That's Revelation 20 verses 13 through 15. And so all of that brings us full circle back to Jason's question. Specifically, is Adam in heaven? And once again, I, I'm sorry to disappoint, but I think I just have to admit here that I think it's unclear. Um, there may be some clues. Genesis 3.21 says right before God um, kicks Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden, the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. And I tend to read that and, and believe along with some, some others that this might be an allusion to the very first animal sacrifice in recorded history. And so if so, then and God has really provided a, a sacrifice for them. Perhaps their sin was forgiven. And not just that, but we hear in the next chapter, in chapter 4 of Genesis, that Cain was jealous, jealous of his brother Abel. Why was he jealous? We find out in the New Testament in Hebrews 11.4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. Well, where did Abel's faith come from? It's possible that God revealed himself directly to Abel. We don't hear anything about that uh, in Genesis 4. I think it's more probable, maybe, that Adam and Eve, having experienced perfect life with God before in the garden, lived the rest of their lives in sorrowful repentance of their decision and did everything in their power to to repent and turn back to the Lord and pass their faith on to their kids, and perhaps that's how Abel knew the Lord. But again, admittedly, there's some speculation there on my part. So at the end of the day, you know, whether it's Adam's salvation or anyone else's for that matter, I think we have to trust ultimately in God's sovereignty that, as James 4.12 says, there is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge your neighbor? Only God knows others' hearts. Uh, and so we are simply called to keep praying for others, keep witnessing to them. And in the case of Adam or anyone else who's gone before us, for whom we can't, can no longer uh, witness, maybe our lost loved ones um, from, from this life, uh, we, we, we pray and we hope and we trust in God's goodness and his sovereignty. Um, but I think there is hope in the promise that one day we'll be surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses 
that have gone on before us. And what a cool idea, uh, imagining worshiping the Lord together with all the saints, Old Testament and new, uh, for the rest of eternity and glory. What a beautiful day that's going to be. Thank you, Jason, and thank you, Pastor Will, for that question. I don't know about the rest of you, but I think I'd have more questions. So that's a good reminder that you guys can submit your questions at West Hills each week at the info bar or submit them online through our website at westhillsstl.org. That's it for this week's episode of Ask the Pastor. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already on your podcast app, and thanks for listening.